Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 28th of October 2012, entitled, Through One Man, Sin and Death. And the Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Let's, uh, let's take our scripture reading from Romans chapter 5, uh, verses 12 through 14. And I do invite you to stand with us to honor the reading of God's holy word. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Word of God says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Father, thank you again this morning as we have just the wonderful privilege, Lord. Lord, to be able to gather together, to have already had the privilege of praying together and singing together. And Lord, thank you so much for the wonderful privilege that we have your word that you have preserved for us as you promised you would do. We have your spirit to give us understanding. And Lord, we pray now that in these next moments as we look into your word, we pray. Because Lord, you know the hearts of each one here this morning. We can only see the outside, but you can see that which is within. You know, each and every individual's needs exactly what they need. And so, Father, we pray not by the words of man, but by the power of your Spirit that you would speak to hearts here today. Lord, if there is anyone in our presence that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we do pray, Lord, that you might speak to them and allow them to see that wonderful truth today of just what Jesus has done for them. And, Father, for each and every one of your children that is present, Lord, you know their struggles, you know their needs, you know what they need here today. Lord, you know whether it's strengthening and encouraging and challenging. And Lord, we just pray that you would speak to heart, each heart that which uh, you would have spoken through the power of your spirit and help us all, Lord, uh, to respond in whatever way that we need to. And we give you the praise and thanks for it. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen and amen. I wonder if I asked you this morning, you know, to give me names of individuals maybe living today or maybe in history where that, that individual, that individual's life and what they said and what they did, that it had a phenomenal effect on others around them. I'm sure that there are a number of names that you could come up with uh, of people that even hundreds of years after they've left this earth, that we still remember their names because of what they did while they were here, because of the impact that their life, their actions had upon others. But I say to you this morning, as we look into God's Word, both this morning and this evening, that there are no two human beings whose individual lives had greater impact in all of humanity than the two we're going to be talking about today. This morning as we look here in Romans chapter 5, we're going to be speaking about this man called Adam. One man. 
and how that through one man, death and sin came into this world. And then God willing, as we look forward from that and dwell upon it more this evening, how that through one man, instead of sin came righteousness and instead of death came life. No two human beings. And of course, again, that gets hard for us to get our head around Jesus Christ. He was God, but he was 100% human when he was upon this earth. No two humans have ever walked the face of this earth that have had such an impact on all of humanity as these two individuals. Now, many times in looking through the book of Romans, which is a book that is rich in the deep truths of God's word, you know, a lot of these things, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, there's a couple of things that you have to know. One, first of all, you have to first of all recognize yourself in your humanness, in yourself, in your flesh as a sinner, that we have all come short, that we've all missed the mark, that none of us have come to God's standard. And we'll be looking at some of the consequences of that. But not only that, that there was one that came to pay the penalty for your sinfulness and that through him, you can have life and that you can have it for eternity. That it was because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, his burial, his resurrection the third day, that we have any hope of life ourselves. But once you have come to realize that and know that and base your life and your eternity upon it, there are so many exciting things that took place at that moment in your life because you became a new creation as we sang earlier totally new. You weren't just made a bit better. You weren't just remodeled. The bad spots weren't just patched up. You were created new in the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact is, as we begin to look into God's word, we begin to understand and comprehend. And of course, these things that we want to look at here today, it's considered by many to be one of the more difficult passages, if not the most difficult passage in the whole book of Romans with all the truths that are there. We find that even though sometimes it's hard for us to comprehend things, folks, we don't have to understand everything in complete detail. Some people think that in order to become a Christian, you've got to understand every Christian doctrine. You've got to know the itsy bitsy of every little thing in order to be able to, to believe that and comprehend that. Nobody has ever, ever, with all the great science that we have, nobody's ever seen gravity but we sure know it's there, <laughs> and we believe it's there. We accept that it's there, though even with all of man's scientific advances, he's never been able to fully understand. He knows a lot of the consequences and, and what it does and things that affect it and all these things, but he doesn't fully understand it. But we know enough to know there's no question that it's there. You know, we could go right through the list. There are many things that we don't fully comprehend and understand, but we know they're real. May I say to you, you will never, ever fully comprehend and understand everything about a holy God. You will never even possibly be able to comprehend and understand all that eternity is in that place called heaven because there is nothing in your experience to compare it to. Neither do we ever fully understand and comprehend all that hell is 
We just get glimpses from God's words. We know that there's only two eternal abiding places. There's no in-between, folks. It's one place or the other. And the simple truth is, is that we know enough to know. If you ask me, I know I don't want to go to the one and I surely want to go to the other. We'll never understand many of those things. We certainly can never understand fully how that God works and the things that he does. But the truth is, as we begin to look into God's word here today, you know, one of the things that we can grasp and we can understand from this is the results, the consequences of one man's action. And as we begin to look at this, no one can surely doubt that we're, no, we, we may not fully understand sin, but we know that in missing God's standard, you know, when the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short, not of man's standards, not of the goodness of man, but all have come short of the glory of God. We've all missed God's standard. We're all somewhere down the ladder from that. And as we begin to look and try to just look at a few simple truths in relation to that today, I want us to comprehend and understand just as surely that not only can we surely see the results of one man Adam's sin, we can also see the results and the consequences of one man's sacrifice in the Lord Jesus Christ. We find that sin has affected all of creation, not just mankind. Now, things have different life cycles, but you can't point to anything that doesn't die eventually. Whether we talk about animal life, whether we talk about plant life, we look at all that's around us, and I'll guarantee you that you can look right through history and the truth is, is that all men face death. We know that according to God's word, Enoch and Elijah, they missed that physical death. They were exceptions to a degree. But in a sense, even they faced death initially. Now, one of the many questions is why? Why does everything die? Why does people die? Why do the plants die? I was asked yesterday of talking about gardening with, well, guess who, Rolda. <laughs> and as we were talking about gardening, you know, we we're talking about yesterday during the work day, some of the weeds that uh, Peter was having to pull up out of the flowers out front. But I made the comment, I said, to me, they, were, they looked as pretty as the flowers did, you know. <laughs> I didn't know the difference. They had pretty flowers on them. They were a nice color. And so, you know, I wouldn't have known the difference. Um, I said, the only way I can know the difference between what's a weed and what's a, what's a flower, a plant that, that needs caring for is that usually I kill all the ones that are real and, and, and the weeds survive. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, the, the reality is, is that as we look around us, you know, we see the flowers, they bloom and they come into their beauty and they, and they die. Uh, we see trees and, and, and all of God's beauty that he's placed there and it lives. It goes through its life cycle but death comes. We want to answer that question. Why must everything die? Why do some die young and some die old? Why does death have to be a part of our lives? I mean, it's one of the things that 
we probably could say that in the end, that man fears most. We think of all these spooky horror things that man might be afraid of or the, the things that might happen, but why? Because they might kill him. Because they might end his life. That's the thing that, above all else, that, that man fears. I believe that we'll find that in some very basic, simple truths, maybe we'll never fully understand everything about this passage in God's Word. But there are some very simple, straightforward truths there that we can understand that should make sense to, to each and every one of us as we, as we look there. And I believe that God's purpose through the Apostle Paul uh, in giving us this Scripture here uh, is to help us to understand death and life and, and, and what God has in store for us. But the simple truth is if we're to understand life and the truths of how that came through that one man, Jesus Christ, we've got to first understand death, uh, the difference in life and death, uh, and what uh, came through that first man, Adam. John MacArthur in his commentary says concerning this passage, he said, it's, it is not that any of God's truths and are unexplainable but that the explanations of many of them are beyond human comprehension. Um, our responsibility is to accept in faith both what is clear and what is not, what is comprehensible and what remains a mystery. In other words, folks, we accept it because God said it. We try to understand it more. And some things we understand better than others. But if God says it, whether or not we fully understand it doesn't make it true or false. It's our understanding that might be lacking, but not the truth that God has, has given us. I want us to look, first of all, as we look in this passage here, the Scripture says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. It doesn't say that sin began, that it came into being, that it was created by him. It says, by one man, sin entered. Sin came into the world. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says to us, He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Let's go back into the book of Genesis where God gives us the account of this one man, Adam. Back in Genesis chapter 1, notice what he says to us there. First of all, picking up in verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. First thing we see, God creating that first man in the garden. God creating everything that exists, and God giving man Dominion over all the rest, the plant life, the animal life, and all that was. But notice in the next chapter, in chapter 2, notice what he says beginning in verse 15. He says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. We find that... Uh, there was only one prohibition. Every tree, every animal, everything upon the face of the earth was there for man. But he was given one prohibition, one prohibition in all the earth, that one tree that he was not to eat of. In Genesis chapter 3, it says, beginning in verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He was sneaky. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired, to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, 
Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. The wife made me do it. The devil made me do it. The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head. Thou shalt bruise his head, the Lord Jesus Christ, the first promise of his coming. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Most of us know the story in the Garden of Eden. There's so many things that is taking place there. You see, with Adam and Eve, first of all, with Eve, it was doubt. She had to doubt what God had said. She was beguiled. She was deceived by Satan. With Adam... It was just plain disobedience. He wasn't the one that was beguiled, but he chose. He chose to do what he did. They doubted God's benevolence. They doubted that God's word was true. They doubted that he would do everything that he did. The devil put this thought in there that, you know, no, no, you're not going to die if you eat of that. Why, you're going to be like God himself. It's going to make you so much better. It looked good. It looked pleasing, the Bible said. It was something that was desirous to her in her flesh. But God had said, everything else out there is yours to enjoy. But eat of that tree, thou shalt surely die. Man was not created to die. You stop and think about it, nothing was created to die as we read in Scripture it wasn't only if they took of that tree, thou shalt surely die. You see, as we look back to that one man in the garden, you've heard me say it many times, 
We see people and we look into our own lives and we try to judge ourselves as how good or how bad or, you know, what sins that I've really done. And we try to compare ourselves with what we've seen others do and the horrors around us. And, and folks, all we have to do is open our eyes. There is much evil in this world. People die around us all the time and many at the hands of their fellow humans. Many times from a very evil heart. And many times they're so deceived themselves that they actually, just like Eve, they think they're doing something good. They think they're doing something that will make them better and the world around them better. Simple truth is, is that as we look around at all this evil, of all this death, we must recognize that is not the way God planned it. God knew what would happen. And God put a plan in place to overcome it. But there in the garden, when God created all that was, the simple sin was disobeying God. Disobedience. That was what brought sin into this world, disobeying God. They had one prohibition, and that one they chose to disobey. Why did why do we say that sin entered through one man if it was Eve? I mean, he did say it was her fault. She was the one that, that, that talked him into it. Why is it that we say that the sin came through Adam if it was Eve? Well, in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 14, the Bible itself says, and Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Who was given the command not to eat of the tree? Adam was. He was responsible for his wife that had come out of him. She was the one that was deceived, but Adam just flat chose to disobey. Paul begins with the fact that through one man, Adam, sin entered into the world. Sin already existed in Satan, but it was through Adam that it came into this world that God had created. And notice it doesn't say sins came into the world. It says sin. Not one particular sin, but the very sin nature of man. It became part of his very being because of that first disobedience to God. And then we find that that sin was passed on to all of his descendants. You see, as we look around, it's often easy for us when a child is born, we begin to look and say, who? He or she's got, got daddy's eyes, got mom's nose, got this, got that. And, of course, we begin to pair because we can see those physical features that they get one from the other. Folks, you know, to me, just, just the miracle 
of a childbirth is just, it's, it's beyond my little brain, my little mind, my understanding. You know, and you see that child and you know that, yes, God created all that was, but as he created man and woman, he created this special bee for that man and that woman to come together as one. And as a result of their oneness, this new life to be born. And God created it, but he used a bit of that man, a bit of that woman. <laughs> he put them together. And he came up with this very unique human being. Nobody else in all the world could be just like that person. Every individual, unique as a creation of God. No other two people in all the world could have brought forth that particular child. They are special to that mom and to that dad. And that's the way God meant it to be. And as we look, we find that when we find that that man and that woman was created there in the Garden of Eden, that they were supposed to replenish the earth as we read about, we can see those physical characters. But, you know, there's other things, too, that you see sometimes. You ever heard somebody, maybe they laugh, and you say, oh, they sound just like their mom or just like their dad. Some little action or some little movement that they do, and, oh, that's just like, their dad, just like their mom. I can, I can remember even just a couple of years ago when my mom was last, last over for a visit. And of course, our kids hadn't seen their grandmother in a long time. And it was interesting as older kids, how they begin to say, oh, now I know why dad does that. <laughs> now I know why dad does it that way. They begin to notice these little things that are there that are in those similarities. Folks, we see it in the physical. We can see it in the emotional we may not physically see it, but just as surely in the spiritual, you see that sin is passed down. Just like those physical traits and those emotional traits and all those other things, it's passed down from one to the other to the other. Mankind. Mankind. I'm talking about the single entity because you see, whether you like it or not, you're related to me today. <laughs> We're all of the same family. We're all the same in human mankind. We may have slightly different shades of color and we may have different kinds of hair and we may come from different places and everybody can't talk as sweet and clear as I can and everybody can't talk with my accent even, you know. Some of you can try, but it's hard to master. We are unique, but we're all. We're all related. We're all of that same single entity of mankind that began with Adam in the Garden of Eden. But of course, sadly, through that one man, because he sinned there in the garden, because he chose to disobey God, that depraved nature has been passed right down through the line, not evolving as evolution would have us to believe, but devolving. Devolving. Men get worse, not better. Men get more capable of greater evils, not less. We can look around us. You know, I don't know how many of you have ever attempted planting a flower garden or a vegetable garden or something where you're actually trying to grow things. I can assure you, you can put those seeds in the ground, you can plant them, you can leave them there, and you can water them, you can care for them, you can weed them, you can do all those things, and you can keep it looking beautiful. But try something else. Try leaving it for maybe two or three months and then going back to it. You haven't watered it. You haven't pulled a weed. You haven't done anything. 
I guarantee you it won't be in better shape than when you left it. It will be in worse shape. It will naturally devolve. The weeds will come in. The bad will come in. And those things will be there that you didn't put there. But they're there anyway. And it's the same with our human lives. You see, truth is, is that through that one man, Adam, that sin nature came into mankind. And that sin nature has been passed down from one to the other to the other. It's a lot more difficult to understand this truth today with so much of the emphasis many times being put upon the individual rather than all of us together. On this basis that many times God, when he is punishing, we can look back the judgments would come upon the whole nation of Israel. The judgments would come upon the whole city of Sodom. And the list could go on and on and on. What we do does affect the people around us. We find that some way, with a much greater consequence than maybe we can fully understand, this sin of Adam was passed on to all of his descendants you see, he sinned not only as a man, the individual, a man, Adam, but he sinned as man, as mankind, as the father of the human race. Adam and Eve as one flesh. They were one. They sinned. And the entire human race in their loins shared in that sin. We find just in chapter 7 that the Bible here in Romans will teach us how that, uh, that Levi shared in Abraham's tithe to Melchizedek because of being in his loin, although that, uh, you know, he was way down the line of descendants, and yet he was still considered because he was part of the descendants of Abraham. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 the Word of God says, For as in Adam all die. As in Adam all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive through one man. We've got to grasp and understand, folks. Through one man, and his name was Adam, sin entered into this world. And that sin has been passed on to every Man, woman, boy, and child, this part of the race of humankind since then. But not only did sin come, notice what he says in our verse here. He says that, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and notice the next four words, and death by sin. I repeat again, Adam was not created mortal. He wasn't created to die. When he was created in the image of God, he was created to live forever. It was when sin entered in, the moment that he disobeyed God, that moment of the first sin. The Bible says, by death, or and death, by sin. Sin entered in, and when sin entered Death came right along with it. 
What had God said? We read it there. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. He said there in chapter 3, verse 19, the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. From dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. You see, this was ordained by God. Yes, before the sin was committed, not because God wanted man to sin, but in God knowing that man would sin, God already had a plan in place. The plan of Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us, was before the foundation of the world. We find that Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. If you do the sin, that which you earn for that, that which is the consequences that comes from that, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when Adam sinned, the wages that came with that was death. That sin nature passed on to every human being as part of the human race. We know that. Part of the way we know it is because it tells us in Ezekiel 18.4, Behold, all souls are mine as the souls of the Father, so also the souls of the Son is mine. Listen, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Even tiny babies die. I happen to be the oldest of four children, but my parents had two children before me that went on to glory. I was the first one to make it, <laughs> hence my middle name, Timothy, as a gift from God. <laughs> But the truth is, is that babies die. Babies die sometimes in very small infancy. Old people die. Young people die. Middle-aged people die. People die at all ages of life. But the simple truth is, for it is appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the judgment Death comes because of sin, because death came with sin. There was no death. There was no such thing as death on planet earth until sin came and brought death with it. Matthew 15, 19 says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. You see, sin brings death. We see the consequences of sin. Out of the heart come these things. It's that which comes from the inner man, far more severe and far more important even than physical death is the spiritual death. You see, the first death that Adam experienced wasn't his physical death. It was the spiritual death, that separation from God. First thing he did when God came along, what did he do? He ran off to hide. He ran off to hide. Man faces spiritual death. Man faces physical death. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, And you, speaking to the Christians, hath he quickened, hath he made alive. You who were dead in trespasses and sins, 
wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's where we came from, each and every one of us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. See, as the unregenerate, a person is alive to the world, but they're dead to the things of God. That spiritual death, that separation from God, and then later comes that physical death. That was the second death that Adam experienced. His first was when he lost, when he lost that, that unity with God himself. The second was his physical death. The first was separation from God. The second was separation from fellow humankind. And of course, then there's eternal death. An extension of that first death, that spiritual death, for all of eternity. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says this about that second death. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You see, an unbeliever, if you're here today, I don't, I don't say this to scare you, but I hope it scares your boots off. The unbeliever, he ought to be afraid of death. He ought to fear death because it's obvious we're all going to face physical death. But what is beyond that? And the truth is what is beyond that physical death depends solely upon your spiritual death or life even right now. I can't make that more clear. You see, as an unbeliever, you have to worry about spiritual death, your separation from God right now that can only be restored through Jesus Christ. You have to worry about physical death when you will leave this world and there will be no more opportunity and you have to worry about eternal death when you cast into that place with Satan where you'll spend eternity. Now the simple truth is, is that that's, that's a fearful thought. As Christians, we don't have to worry about that. Believers, they shouldn't be afraid of any kind of death. I don't mean that you ought to be haughty. The simple truth is that you've been saved for eternity, both spiritually and eternally, physically, you got a new body coming. <laughs> Bible promises that. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, speaking of Jesus, that through death he might destroy him, the devil, that had the power of death, that is the devil. Verse 15, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. 
See, a lot of things there. Truth is, is that because of your sin nature, you're in bondage to sin. I've said this many, many times, and we need to understand this. It's such a simple truth, but a truth it is. You know, you don't become a sinner because you sin. What we see in these verses, by one man, sin entered into the world. And by that sin came death that came right along with it because that's the result. That's the wages of sin. Folks, you sin because you're a sinner by nature. You're born with that sin nature. You don't have to be taught how to disobey. It becomes very natural because of what is within. Them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage you ought to be afraid of death. There ought to be a fear of death without the Lord Jesus Christ. But with him, we don't have to worry about it. You see, what he says here is, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, notice the next words, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. There's no escape. Yes, Enoch and Elijah escaped physical and eternal deaths, but even they didn't escape the spiritual death that was theirs before trusting in the Lord. Jesus came for the sins of the world. He said he was a propitiation not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. We find that he says here, Death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Now, there is Scripture that teaches of all of our sinfulness in the sins that we commit. But when he says all have sinned here, he's not talking about all those sins that you have committed yourself. You see, this was originally written in the aorist tense which what it is really saying is indicating at one point in time, at one point, all men sin, at one point, he's talking about the sin of Adam, that through that one man, that one man sinned, and when he sinned, he brought death into this world, and that that sin has been passed on to all mankind, all, everybody, sinned at one point in time, is what he's saying to us there in that passage that natural human depravity is not the result of, but the cause of our sinful acts. It doesn't come to be because of things that we do. We do the things we do because that it is there. Psalm 51.5, Behold, the psalmist said, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Psalm 58, 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? John 8, 44, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. 
He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Adam chose to sin. You better recognize this, folks. Your wife, your husband, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your best friend, nobody ever made you sin. Every sin you've ever committed, every sin I have ever committed, I chose it. You chose it. You had a choice, just as Adam had a choice. You chose to sin. Why did that choice come so easy? Because of that sin nature within. That sin nature that's been passed right down from that first man, Adam, in the Garden of Eden. All sinned. Everybody sinned there in him at that one point in time because we were in his loins even then. Every one of us have come from him just as all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ can die, be resurrected to newness of life. You see, it's only God's grace. We're all here. We all came with that sinful nature, but God loved us so much. We may never fully understand that. I don't think I ever will, but boy, I'm glad. And it's only by faith that we can accept it. When angels fell, do you know that a third of them fell and two-thirds didn't? Why? Because a third chose to and two-thirds chose not to. They didn't have to. That was something that they did. And the moment they did that, they were damned forever for an eternity in hell. God created man. And when man fell in Adam, God, in his mercy, prepared a way for us. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. God wants you to know it's God's desire for you to know. It's God's desire for you to be saved. In Adam, all receive death. But in Christ, you can have life eternal. You see, through one man, and his name was Adam, the very first man that ever walked upon this earth, through him, sin entered in to this world. When sin came into this world by him, death came with it, hand in hand. That's what brings death. That's why you've heard me say it before. I don't care if you're the most holy, perfect human being that's ever walked the face of this earth. If God allowed you into heaven with even that one teensy, eensy, bitsy sin that you did, heaven could no longer exist because if he allowed sin in, death would go with it. Death would end up there just like here. You see, sin has to be done away with. It can't be overlooked because heaven can never exist without it. Eternal life can never exist with it. Through one man, 
Death came by sin, and through one man, that death was passed to all. And let me assure you, through that one man, since the first one in the garden, since that man, Adam, death has reigned. He said in verses 13 and 14, For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned, listen, from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Do you know that in all the Bible, we look many times and we look at other people like Joseph and others that we say, he was a type of Christ. He shows us these things. This is the only place in all of your Bible that the Bible says he was a type of the one that was to come. He was a type of Christ. Adam, the man Adam, was a symbol, a type of Christ that was to come. But you need to realize this. Many think of people think that they become a sinner because they break the law of God. Folks, that's not true. You don't become a sinner because you break the law. You'll break the law because you are a sinner. The law is there to allow you to see your sin. It's allow you to see God's standard so that you can know that you're a sinner. What did he say here? Before the law. Death reigned even from Adam to Moses before the law was even in existence. Before the law, sin was already in the world. Man couldn't be charged with breaking God's law when he didn't even know what God's law was. But even without the law, he said death reigned from Adam to Moses. It was universal because man had already sinned. We find that they simply weren't sinners because that they broke the law, which they didn't have, but because of the sinful nature that had been passed down to them to all mankind, that made them subject to death. Adam and Eve were evicted from the garden. He says here, over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. We'll stop and think, what did God do after Adam and Eve sinned? He put them out of the garden, didn't he? And what did he put there at the gate of the garden? He put guards there to keep anybody from going in or anything coming out. Nobody could go in and commit the exact same similitude in the similitude of Adam's sin. Nobody could commit that sin. Even Adam couldn't do it again. It had already been done, and it was done once. But the sin, he's saying here, even though these didn't go into the garden and do the exact same sin that Adam did, they were sinners because that sin nature had been passed down to them. We've seen clearly, even if we can't fully understand it all, that through that one man, sin entered the world. Death came by that sin. Death was passed to all men. And because of that, death has reigned in this world. Through one man, death still reigns. But thanks to God, that Adam was a figure of another that was coming. 
That other is what we're going to be looking at in great detail this evening, the effects of that other one man, the Lord Jesus Christ. But you see here this morning, I want to tell you something. You don't need to wait till this evening's sermon to realize and understand that it's through that one man, Jesus Christ, that you can have life today. And you can have life everlasting. Death doesn't have to reign in your life. You can leave today with no fear of death whatsoever. You see, everybody here today, and I'm closing with this, everybody here today, you're either going to leave here still in the loins of Adam, still with that sin nature that he gave you and accountable for that sin that comes from that death. Death is the reward for it. Or you can leave here today in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the other man. And in him is your only hope because Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for your sin. Death had to come. He died in your place. It was sufficient. They put him in a tomb. But three days later, it was an empty tomb. Why? He overcame death. He overcame death for you. And that's your only hope today. Oh, each and every one of us, unless Christ comes back before, we will all face physical death as well until we get that new body, that glorified body. Thank God it won't be this human body. Each and every one of us. And instead of eternal death, we can have eternal life. But it's in Jesus. You're going to leave here today one way or the other. You're going to leave here. You're going to walk through those doors with that assurance of knowing without any shadow of a doubt that you're in the Lord Jesus Christ because you've been willing to get honest with you and with God and say, I know I'm a sinner, but I also know that there's one that came and died for me. And Lord, I want you to forgive me of my sins because of his sacrifice, because of what he did. Only you could ask that of God. The Bible does promise that if you come to him, he'll accept, that he won't turn you away, that if you'll confess it, he'll forgive you. But nobody else can do that for you, only you. So my question to you today, do you know, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? We need to understand everybody's the same. Everybody's in the same boat because of what? the father of our human race, Adam, did in the garden. And we've all proved that. If we're honest, we see the sin that comes from our lives because of that sin nature that's been passed on. But today, you need to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hey, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes and walk through those doors and take a chance on that physical death catching up with you at some point and it ended up being an eternal spiritual death. Today, you can change that, but only you, through putting your faith in Jesus Christ, can that happen. Mm -hmm.